0: One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L A S -S I K,
1: LASIK.com.
2: You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family.
1: It's nothing short of an attack on women's basic human rights and civil rights. Uh, And it's something that women of America are going to have to fight against uh, with
2: everything they've got. They want to challenge Roe versus Wade. But my humble view is that this is not the case we want to bring to the Supreme Court because I think this one will lose. So that was Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, doing the uh, saying the same thing, all the Democratic presidential candidates said yesterday about the war on women and all that sort of stuff. And then Pat Robertson, who's on the other side, he's a televangelist. He's on the other side who who has problems with Roe versus Wade, but doesn't think this is the way to go about it right. Although I think he's missing a key point or two. And uh, David French, senior writer for National Review, Senior Fellow at the National Review Institute, has written an absolutely uh, terrific and thought-provoking piece about what Alabama and Georgia are trying to do, and David French joins us now. David, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, It's our pleasure. Really enjoyed uh, your your reasoning in the article. Why don't we lay out for the folks, uh, the the legislatures in Alabama and Georgia understand this law will not take effect, effect anytime soon. What are they trying to do?
0: Well, what they're trying to do is create the right vehicle for challenging Roe versus Wade. And the reason why they they drafted the law was this in mind in some in some really important ways. one uh, is this is a law unlike a lot of the restrictions on abortion, but you've seen these more modest restrictions, for example, that um, for example, say you know an abortion clinic has to meet these kinds of medical requirements and facility requirements, or that abortion doctors have to have admitting privileges uh this is Far beyond that. <laughs> far beyond that. And and what they've done and, because, and the reason why they, they've done that, one, is it's a matter of moral conviction. And the other reason is that the court could uphold every one of these modest abortion restrictions that are before it now, every single one of them, without touching Roe or Casey. They could just say, Well, you know, this is just a modest restriction on abortion.
2: Wow, we're really we're know. really having varying quality of voice quality, David. I don't know if there's anything oh, really with- yeah, sorry, it's just kind of phasing in and out. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll plunge on. Uh, okay. B- but so th- they want to challenge Roe, though, and I like the part of your piece where they're talking about establishing the personhood of the uh, the, the baby, the fetus. Why is that so important?
0: Yeah, that's important because of Section 9 of the Roe v. Wade opinion by Justice Blackmun. And in that he says, if the personhood of the fetus is established by constitutional laws, then the case for Roe coll- for abortion collapses. In other words, once a, a baby is protected as a person under law, a person cannot lose its life without a right to due process, for example. Um, and so then the abort case for abortion collapses. And so what these, both Alabama and Georgia, are doing is they are saying that that an unborn baby in these states is a person. They're bestowing under state law personhood on the baby. And now they're saying, well, we have established personhood under Roe. The case for uh, abortion therefore collapses. Now, the um, the counterargument to that is that, well, under Roe, the only thing that matters is whether the federal constitution establishes personhood. But that's not really traditional... American law, that the the parameters of individual liberties can be expanded by states, not contracted by states. And so what they're arguing is that by bestowing personhood on the child, they're expanding the liberty of the child. Now, the counterargument would be, well, then you're constricting the liberty of the mother, and that would be the core fight at the Supreme Court. But this is aimed directly at that Section 9 of the Roe Opinion.
2: As the sponsor of Georgia's legislation said, his bill wasn't waving its fist at Roe; it's answering Roe versus Wade.
0: Exactly. So it's exactly aimed at part of Justice Blackman's opinion. I think it's a very smart. Now, again, there's no guarantee that it will that it will win the day, but I think it's a very smart, and it's a and it's a philosophically and morally and scientifically, I believe proper approach to the abortion issue, because the core assertion of the pro-life movement is that that is a person, a very small person inside the mother's womb.
2: Right. Would the court have to establish at what point it becomes a person, though? Because that could get pretty thorny.
0: Well, you know, and that, that is a, uh, that essentially what they could say is that the court doesn't establish it; the states do, that the Constitution of the U.S. is silent on the state's ability to establish personhood. Beyond that, they cannot restrict personhood beyond which the you know to a level beyond the uh, the federal constitution. So the Supreme Court doesn't have to decide personhood. The Supreme Court can say the Constitution of the United States is silent on abortion, and it permits states to define personhood in a way that's more expansive than the federal constitution does, and leave it to the states, which is. I believe, the proper constitutional
2: approach. I'm glad you brought that up. David French is online, senior writer for National Review and senior fellow at the National Review Institute. I had uh, one of my favorite professors in college uh, a thousand years ago um, made the point that the Roe decision removed the – well, it distorted the politics of it. States could no longer vote in a meaningful way on what their people believed on this extremely difficult topic Um, And you make another point in your piece about how it's distorted national uh, politics, presidential elections, for instance. Uh, What did you mean by that?
0: Yeah, so think about this. If I live in the state of Tennessee, and I do, um, and I want to impact the abortion laws of my state, by far, by far the most important election that I will cast a vote in is the United States presidential election because the president appoints a, a justice or can appoint justices to the Supreme Court. My own state Supreme Court, my own state laws are far less relevant to the actual right to an abortion than the jurisprudence of the Supreme Court of the United States. And this is something that has, has meant that national politics now for a generation since Roe have become, have escalated in intensity because you hear you have one of the most emotionally fraught issues if not the most emotionally fraught issue in the entire all of the United States politics, and your ability to impact it is at best indirect by voting for a president who appoints a justice and then once the justice is in in, um, in office, he does what he wants to do. And so what I say is, when you if you overturn Roe, if you in, live in New York and you want to protect abortion rights, then the most important election that you're going to vote in is going to be like your local state legislature.
2: Right. And as you if make you're... the point, we've got this savage, bitter partisanship at the national level over an issue that we will have teeny, tiny, incremental, indirect effects on as exactly. as voters. And so it's not worth all the hatred.
0: Exactly. So it's distorting our politics massively. And what we need in this country, we need to de-escalate presidential elections we need to de-escalate national politics
2: good luck with that
0: (laughs) yeah but the citizens of california have too much power over the citizens of texas and vice versa i mean this is this is not what the founders intended and and when you're talking about a hyper emotional issue like abortion that is the constitution of the united states is silent about it this isn't the first amendment this isn't the second amendment this isn't the fourth or fifth amendment the constitution is silent on that that is a classic recipe resolution by the states, and the more I think we can communicate that to people, that let Alabama be Alabama, let New York be New York, and have the pro-life and pro-choice movements fight it out on that turf, I think it's going to be better for our nation. It's certainly going to be better for unborn children as state after state after state announces its, its pro-life intentions, and look, if people want to build and create pro-choice jurisdictions, They can
2: do so. Hey, David, I wanted to ask you this question just because we bring it up a lot and I don't ever hear it anywhere else talking about it being hyper emotional and, uh, you know, such a charged issue and all that sort of thing. The polling shows that most people, even Democrats, are uncomfortable with abortion after the first trimester. It's, you know, the controversy is all in that first trimester or whether it should be allowed at all. But after that, The the vast majority of people are saying, "No, that ain't cool." After the first trimester, why can't we get some sort of ground going there in terms of the battle?
0: Well, and I don't think most
2: people know those poll numbers, by the way. Listening, you know, the way I take it through the news.
0: Right. Well, I think there's two reasons for that. One, the number one most important reason is because this issue has been removed from the democratic process largely by the Supreme Court of the U.S. We haven't had an opportunity to have national debates and reach a consensus on limitations that reflects public values. We have not been able to do that ever since Roe. So that's number one. And then number two, these national polls are very deceptive because the regional and state-by-state differences are dramatic. Hmm. So you, you might have a state of New York with a whole you know ton of people who live there that might have a supermajority for a less restrictive abortion regime. But then you might have a state of Alabama that has a supermajority for a far more restrictive. Okay, well,
2: that reinforces your argument about letting the states, you know, or various jurisdictions make their own decisions then.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, people will point to national polls to try to rebut what Alabama's doing. But, you know, you know who knows Alabama politics better than national pollsters? Alabama (laughs) politicians. (laughs) They voted a massive supermajority for this Alabama law, a massive. The Missouri... Um, is just about to pass an eight-week abortion ban, a a ban on abortions after eight weeks. And the margin in the House there was 117 to 39, and in the Senate, 24 to 10. So if you're throwing a national poll at a local Southern politician, they're bored.
2: Right, right. (laughs) It doesn't matter. David, final question Uh, in the limited time we have, unfortunately. uh, What are the chances you think this gets all the way to the Supreme Court, either of these cases?
0: let me put it this way. I'm pessimistic, but I'm not as pessimistic as I used to be. I think the more states that pass a heartbeat bill or a bill like um, Alabama's, the greater the likelihood that it will get to the Supreme Court simply because the Supreme Court will realize that it has a popular groundswell on its hands, and it's going to either have to say once and, you know, at least decide this for a whole nother generation and say, no, we're going to open this up. The Constitution is silent on abortion. We're going to open up for the states, or we're going to reaffirm Roe. Either way, that's going to be very clarifying. But when you're talking about an immense geographic contiguous section of the United States of America now is declaring itself unequivocally for life, that increases the chances that the Supreme Court will take this
2: up. David French, Senior Writer for the National Review, Senior Fellow at the National Review Institute. David, we could talk to you all day, but uh, instead of that, we'll have a link to your piece uh, so folks can find it easily. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Our pleasure. Isn't it correct that the woman involved in the Roe v. Wade case ended up pro-life at the end of her life? Yeah. Yeah. This might be one of those issues that I never thought would move in my lifetime, like a lot of them out there that have recently. And that is going to get some movement. Yes. Yeah. And and honestly, especially if you can let the states tailor the approach to this incredibly troubling issue to the will of their own people, um, that I think the solution, the quote unquote solution for everybody, will be much more comfortable. When was Roe versus Wade? 73, 73 I think, yeah. something like that. Um, <clears throat> I know they didn't have uh, the ult- they certainly didn't have the three D pictures of babies that they have now, right? Where you just see a baby in there. Um, did they even have ultrasounds? Did they have? Could you hear a heartbeat back then? I don't think you could even hear a heartbeat back then. So it was completely just a. I mean, uh, you know, a conversation with with no knowledge of what's going on in there, for the yeah. most part. Um, you you would hope this wasn't true, but it is absolutely true. The more focused an abstraction comes, and the more r- r- becomes, and the more real it becomes, sure, the more detailed your understanding of it becomes, it completely changes. Well, that's that's why they think polling has your changed views. on on this issue. It's uh, hearing the heartbeat, it's seeing the pictures. It's, right, uh, right. Oh, that's a kid. Yeah, right. And there are plenty on the left who the major media have a great deal of sympathy for who are okay with offing the baby after it's born, which, which is, just... is an extremist position supported by virtually no, no one. that's insane. And listen, I respect people's views on this topic on all sides. I really do. It's a thorny one, it's a hard one. I don't respect views on people's on all sides. That view you just but put out there that is for crazy people. I mean, on both sides. You know, I lean this way, I lean that way. Fine, I get it. But, yeah, that's an incredibly extremist view, and we are getting a absolutely fraudulent view of what people think about that from our lying, lying media. End of rant. Text line four one five two nine kftc Armstrong and Getty Show. Last night with the New Orleans Pelicans Getting the top pick Even though New Orleans Pelicans Sounds like a fake team name They would mention in a movie So you know it's the future It absolutely does That is a good joke So true um, I you believe s- they were originally the New Orleans Jazz, but then they went to Utah, which mm-hmm. explains mm-hmm. that right. thing. There's a weird yeah. phenomenon of NBA teams. Like, there's no lakes in L.A. They are originally Minneapolis. Why you don't change it when you get there? Is Yeah. Um. Uh, so, Zion Williamson's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft, and I guess he was visibly disappointed that the New York Knicks did not get the first pick, and there's some talk that he refuses to play for the Pelicans who are going to draft him. Oh, I, boy. I find that very hard to believe. I think he's going to go there, and okay. he'll, he'll be we'll He'll be see. fine. He, he's He's going to team up with Anthony Davis, the Brow.
0: Okay. Um, He's got a
2: unibrow, so people call the him that. Pelicans is not a good name. No, we were just talking about that. Really? Yeah. Th- th- mm. Why Why did Utah keep Jazz, and then so New Orleans has to come up with something else? Because it clearly should be the New Orleans Jazz and the Utah, whatever you want it to be. Right. Utah will probably be relieved. I mean, they'll be pleased to pick their own name, right? The Utah more than one wife, or whatever you want to oh, it to be. Oh, my God. That's out of bounds. That, that, that was Completely terrible. I would like to bounds. seriously, seriously, I apologize to all of our beloved listeners in Utah. So that's one that of those uh, terrible. You get ejected <laughs> for that. Play the buzzer again. That's not even a technical. That's, that's a, a <laughs> like, you out of the game for that one. Next two games, flagrant, flagrant two, Draymond. You just punched our listeners in their privates. I don't know why I made that joke. One of my best friends lives in Salt Lake City. I'm there all the time. It's one of my favorite cities in the world mike um. uh, this uh, this this calls for uh, uh, well, wait a minute I'm holding you in contempt and every That's you're, just fine. you're in contempt of the Armstrong and Getty show and my every interaction this is honestly I've talked about this before my every interaction with the Mormon community is they might have the best family structure religion going in America all right now we're going to get angry notes from <laughs> other denominations as well well they're not as good as Mormons. Listen they aren't. Just Ooh. listen to him dig. Just keep digging, <laughs> keep digging. <laughs> Maybe you hit gold down there. So I was going to talk about e-bikes. Has anybody here ever ridden an e-bike? I have not. No, I, I have experienced no. them uh, multiple times wandering around downtowns and but but yeah. I have never actually got off I on. Wanted, I want to I want to talk about that there's some uh, some news on that. Marshall, what's coming up in your news? Well, we've got more on that New York Times story about the tensions between the US and Iran coming up. Stay mm. tuned, Jacqueline Salt Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> on the Armstrong and the Getty show. Armstrong and Getty. Uh-huh. Catholics, here's what's wrong with the Catholics. Oh boy, <laughs> here we go. This ain't good. Working my way through the uh, religions. Let's well. uh, get the news now, Marshall Phillips. Well, photos of missiles on small boats out in the Persian Gulf is apparently what got the Trump administration worried that Iran might fire the missiles at U.S. Navy ships. And, okay, I've been asking for days, what the heck's going on? What's a, what what? what? What caused this tension? Well, now we know. New York Times reporting that those photos are what set off the debate over possible threats by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard. U.S. officials say paramilitary forces loaded the missiles onto the boats, and then additional intelligence picked up threats against commercial shipping and the possibility that Arab militias tied to Iran would attack American troops in Iraq. That would be insane. That would be a crazy thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Although, as we were discussing earlier, if you can, like, remove the regime by one degree, like Putin's little green men, for some reason people act like, well, it's, it's not Russia at war, per se. And, and so they get away with stuff. The uh, lawmakers in America here from both sides of the aisle say they want more information on the possible threat from the Iranian-backed forces that prompted the non-essential American personnel in Iraq to head home. South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham saying,
0: I have no idea what the threat stream is beyond what I read in the paper. I think there are a lot of people in my shoes that are going to support standing up to Iran, but we need to understand what we're doing.
2: Lindsey Graham doesn't know. Yeah, if he doesn't know, nobody knows. That's what he's saying. So Germany and the Netherlands stopped training Iraqi soldiers, as that's part of their deals. They're pulling some of their people out. Right, the countries are going uh-huh. along with this. And Sky News is reporting the UK has raised the threat level for British personnel in Iraq because of the heightened risk risk, rather from Iran. The Brits have raised the level of alert from allow to what's all this gun. Sky also saying that British forces and diplomats in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Qatar have also been placed on an increased state of alert. So some kind of intel is sure. floating around. Sure, yeah. if you've got the Revolutionary Guard exporting a shocking number of rockets all of a sudden, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll get your attention. Well, Bill de Blasio has announced he is going to run for president in 2020. New York. Yay! New York City mayor, now the... All co- New York mayors have an overinflated sense of their worth because of the way the media works. They think all of America hangs on everything they say the same way New York media does. New York City mayor now jumping into the crowded field, announcing... His real name is Von der Wilhelm. Yeah. That's the trick. He made the announcement... He changed it, you know, Marshall to you appear tr- to be Italian. What are you trying to insinuate there? He's an agent. So the New York Post, they got a picture, uh, they got the... De Blasio runs for president, and then a whole bunch of people with their head thrown back laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, <laughs> cover, <laughs> the cover story today. <laughs> De Blasio announcing his run on ABC's Good Morning America, answering the big question, what sets him apart from everybody else? Well, De Blasio said as a long time New Yorker his height actually but you may be on tall man I'd realize oh, very tall yeah. De Blasio saying as a New Yorker he's had a front row seat watching Donald Trump in action right now the federal government is not on the side of working people and that's because Donald Trump is playing a big con on America I call him con Don every New Yorker knows he's a con artist we know his tricks we know his playbook I know how to take him on I've been watching him for decades he's trying to convince working Americans he's on their side it's been alive from day one that isn't even a good nickname he doesn't have, that's his rollout he doesn't have a chance I call him Don the con man if you're gonna go with that Don man the con man that's what I'd say yeah. you know what let's workshop this <laughs> turns out the world's biggest hidden health crisis snake bites. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming, did you? No, you don't. You don't see it coming. Yeah. All right. So they come bad. up behind you and bite you in the ankle. Yeah, right. Report in Sky News says up to hundred and thirty eight thousand people are killed by snake bites each and every year. Holy cow. God, I rolled over a big snake with the mower the other day. Well, oh, really? oh. Was... he was down in the grass and I had it set up high enough that snake I snake in the grass. I didn't hit the snake, but so I'm oh. mowing the grass over the snake and I'm just looking at <laughs> him. Oh may all look alike. Come on, nature. Make your snakes look different. Don't have 15 snakes that look like rattlesnakes. you got to have three snakes. The green snake, the yellow snake, and the red snake. Right. The red ones you stay away from. You see a red snake, you stop. You can't have a dozen snakes that have kind of grayish, greenish diamonds. That's not cool. You think the snake color coding should be akin to our traffic light system? Exactly. Green, exactly. yeah, yeah, yellow, and Easily. Well, I never thought about it before until just now. But my color blindness, color blindness oh. is mostly that area of, Gray, green, brown, that right. sort of stuff. So yeah. I really can't tell the difference, probably even more than most people. You got to look at the head, Jack. It's all about the head to get that uh, thicker arrow shaped head or like a thin, you know, regular snake head. Look at the head as it's coming at your eyes? Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sure enough, that's don't <laughs> right. ah, know what bit me. Uh, a little bit of one, be They always go right for the eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The report goes on to the say... The American eyeball python. <laughs> I haven't been eyeball to eyeball with rattling, rattling snakes a couple times, but when I was a kid, when we lived in Illinois, yep. rural Illinois, um, remember one time our dog Homer, Homer the Beagle, right. just would not no. stop barking on the porch, and I went out on the porch, I'm four years old, five years old, and there was a rattlesnake wrapped around the post on the uh, the porch and just rattling like crazy because right. the dog was barking, and I oh. Nah. Oh, boy. My dad got a big stickin'. and. Across the road, oh, wow. and then I went out to my sandbox once, and there was one wrapped around my little shovel in the sandbox, rattling at me like crazy. Yeah, wow! Hey, neighbor, hey, that's my and shovel, <laughs> and our neighbor came over and shot it with a pistol, which is another good way to get rid of them. Well, I think I told you when I uh, was in Boy Scouts at Boy Scout camp, uh, we uh, would go out and hunt rattlers. And what you do is you've got a stick with a fork at the end of it, and you yeah. wait, and if they came out, you put it right up at the back yeah. of the head. I actually remember doing that in Boy Scouts, too, walking a, with, with the stick with the fork in the hand. Right. We had a neighbor that came over, saw the snake rattling, picked it up by the head, and threw it in a sack. Wow. wow. Yeah, oh. you got to know and what you're said, doing. Yeah, because, do not try this at home. Because oh. you're snake handlers, you're people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he saw this is great. I'm going to make a belt out of this. Thank you so much for letting me have this snake. Oh. And and check, checks another denomination on his list of yep. religious folks to affect. <laughs> he, he was a simple man. And in the NBA Finals, Bucks beat Toronto 108 to 100. They take game one of the East Finals and game two of the West Finals. Warriors, Blazers, that's going to be tonight in oh, Oakland. It'll yeah. be a war. At your news, I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, The Conscience of the Nation. So e-bikes are a thing. They're way more of a thing than any other kind of bike. That's the little rental bikes you see there in the cities? No, it's the the bikes that got an electric motor on them. Well, they're the moped of the 70s, but now they're super hot and look cool. They don't look dopey like they did back (laughs) in the day. What do you mean dopey? I rode one. (laughs) They look better. They don't necessarily look cool. (laughs) Well, a lot of cool people seem to be riding them for some reason. It's got a cool vibe. Mopeds were very mocked. If you if you remember mopeds from yes. way back in the mocked 70s. again I wrote one <laughs> <laughs> but these like the cool people are buying them for whatever reason yeah uh, more on that in a little bit and how we're not having uh, children anymore so none of this is going to matter we're going to go away as a uh, as a country and a species um and which will lead inevitably of course to a planet of the apes. But but first, we really like Ian Bremer and his thoughts on international stuff. We're going to talk about the trade war, who's winning, who's losing, how that will come about. Next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The topic is the trade war with China. Two very simple questions for our guest, Ian Bremmer. When will it end, and who will be the winner? And as soon as he answers those, we'll move on with our lives. Ian Bremmer is the president and founder of Eurasia Group. That would be a waste of the brilliance of Ian Bremmer. Please. Ian, how are you? I'm very well, sir. How are you guys? Excellent. When will it end, and who will win?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, we will win. Uh, because we are bigger, and it will impact. I mean, whether we end it or not, it's going to have a lot more impact on China than it will us. Uh, but there'll be some, uh, you know, broken uh, ceramics uh, in the interim, and uh, and we're already starting to feel that. Um, there's definitely been market impact in the U.S., and uh, it'll definitely affect some consumers' pockets. Um, I don't expect that the remaining $325 billion um, that Trump is threatening of tariffs, I don't think that's going to hit because those are on consumer products that will be very visible to Trump voters and will be immediately visible to the media. I don't think he wants to do that. So I I do believe that both sides are incented pretty heavily to um, now find a way to get close to the yes before Trump and Xi Jinping meet directly next month at the G20 meetings in
2: Osaka, Japan. Uh, We have a a friend of the show who has worked and lived in China for decades and studies Chinese economics. He's saying that there is a growing sense in China, at least among some uh, fairly powerful people, that, hey, look, bringing ourselves up to the rest of the world's standards in trade is a good idea. That would be good for China long term. Uh, How significant is that group of folks in China, do you think?
1: It's growing. Uh, You know, China used to be um, a technological power purely because they stole stuff from the Americans. And if that's the way you build your technology, then you don't want to get to our standards. But today, uh, China's the world leader in some areas of technology. They're better at voice recognition and facial recognition than we are. Um, They're better at ride-sharing than we are, in part because they just have so much more data. I mean, we have 800 million people on smartphones and fifty times as much digital commerce as the Americans five zero. Wow!
2: Right?
1: Then, then you're just going to get better at this stuff, right? And and in that regard, you've got a lot of Chinese companies that are nominally private sector, but very aligned with the Chinese government. Not like our private sector companies that actually want to make sure that their own patents are protected. Their own intellectual property doesn't get stolen by anybody, by Chinese competitors, by Western competitors. So there is a growing demand for improved standards in China, and there are many that appreciate a push from the Trump administration to get there, but they don't want to be embarrassed publicly and they also want to have their cake and eat it, too. They they don't want to open their economy to the Americans. They want to prefer the Chinese companies. So they're, it, it's not as if they want to become a free market economy. That is clearly not true.
2: Hmm. I was, was going to ask, how much do you buy this idea that this isn't just the trade war around the specifics being discussed? This is a, a battle of two systems to see which one is better.
1: Uh, it's a little bit. Uh, I mean, tr- Trump and Xi Jinping have had their teams negotiating around trade and around issues that complicate trade. I mean, there are a lot of places that we really disagree with the Chinese and they're not being negotiated at all. For example, just yesterday, the Americans put some significantly harder line policies in place that are gonna hurt Huawei the telecom company aligned with the Chinese government, and 5G, their effort to dominate the rollout of what will be the backbone of the entire Internet of Things. So, I mean, the fact that the Americans and Chinese have been talking on trade hasn't had any impact on our fight with them on technology, or on Taiwan, or Hong Kong, or the South China Sea. You know, Or the Uyghurs, for example, a million of whom are being held in detention camps um, inside China. None of that is coming up in the negotiations that we're having with them on trade. But what that also means is that if we do get a deal on trade, and on balance I'm more optimistic than, than pessimistic, I still think that the level of trust between our system and their system is near zero, and the likelihood of conflict that we will have on all those other issues – uh, doesn't get reduced um, in the aftermath of a big announced deal.
2: Really? How interesting. Hmm. Ian Bremer, president and founder of Eurasia Group, on the line, uh, I, you know, use a percentage, use a letter grade, whatever you want. Um, how optimistic are you that this gets resolved, say, within the next uh, two months?
1: Two months. Uh, Probably 40 percent by the end of the year north of 50. But even if it doesn't get resolved, I would be surprised if we see um, the tariffs hit the entirety of Chinese imports into the United States.
2: Hmm. Really interesting. Well,
1: in the context of the markets, I'm more optimistic than not. I'm, you know, you, you look at where the average uh, American market participant is right now. I'm probably on the bullish side.
2: Right, Ian Bremer, president and founder of Eurasia Group. Ian, uh, really enjoy it. We know how busy you are. Look forward to a longer chat down the road. But uh, thanks a million. Great talking to you guys. See thanks. Next. Yep. That was the best thing I've heard on the China yeah. trade thing. Oh yeah. God it's about, Trump's trade war is hurting, the, you know, I know, yeah, oh my God, can we talk about the bigger picture, please? Oh, yeah, remember the, the stock market going into the tanker uh, on Monday? Right, well, Trump's crash. It's pretty much back to where it was on Friday's close. That, that like, drives almost me crazy. Crazy. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. I saw shows that I like with hosts I like talking about that with serious tones. Let's go to our correspondent on the floor of, the, of Wall Street here at the down. What does this mean to people in their 401k? It doesn't mean freaking anything. It, by, well, if you're going to cash out completely today at noon, <laughs> that's been your plan since you were a wee lad or lass. <laughs> okay, great. Then you got a problem because you just lost 3%. Or you could wait two days. Or I it was know. an opportunity to strengthen your positions and things. There you jump As in, right? The, the big brain, positive <laughs> Sean of the investing class. Buy did. high, sell high. Is that it? <laughs> but Ian Bremmer right there, who's no Trump fan, follow his Twitter feed. <laughs> who's going to win this war? We are. No hesitation whatsoever. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. There you go! I tell you what, I'm so mad at America's media today. There are a number of issues that they are just wildly out of line in the way they... There's such a distorted lens of the way America really feels and is. It just makes me nuts. But I was kind of surprised that... Uh in two months, 40%. I'm above 50 by the end of the year. By the end of the year, you just get over 50% this is going to end. E- that wow. surprised me. That's a lot longer term than I was expecting. Yeah, Ian Bremer with more bombshells than the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. <laughs> hey, there's a little geopolitical. <laughs> <laughs> the Uyghurs sounds like a sitcom. Meet the Uyghurs. But that's the uh, the, the Muslim group they're it's, holding yeah, in uh, yeah. concentration camps there. In, yeah. Yeah, yeah, at least a million. Amazing a how, million. It's amazing how little coverage that gets. Some hey, people say it's three million. Three million voting. people in concentration camps. Keep voting for socialism. It'll be great. They just, just it's bad people who won't cooperate who end up in concentration camps. Not good people who follow the government's orders. I haven't seen anybody drop an M-bomb on this story, but it looks like a moped to me, e-bikes. So bicycle sales have been flat for years now. Uh, about the same number of people who need a bike or buy a bike, I guess, but... Um, but e-bikes eighty percent growth just last year, and I see them all over the place. In every bike store I go in, I go into a lot of bike stores because I got kids and I got bikes and I need seats and pedals and tires and stuff. So every bike store you got in, they've got tons of e-bikes wow. out front. It's there. It's clearly a big push for them. I had no idea. They're this. these electric bikes. They look like a bike, but they got a thick, a thick part on the metal pole that goes along the front, like the main tube. Oh, has wow. a thick part on it. That that's an electric motor. Wow. And it's just like the it's moped, petite. if you're old enough to remember the 70s, I never rode a moped, because I didn't live in a part of the country where there was any pavement. So, Oh, yeah. I had friends who got to ride bikes on pavement, and I thought, that must be so cool. Get your motor running, hit out on the highway! There I was in my moped, oh, look at my hair streaming behind me, oh, yeah. All my bike riding was on gravel, always, so. Um, But, yes, so it's got a little motor in it, and you, you turn on the motor if you feel like doing that, or you pedal if you're in the mood. It just seems like, wouldn't you always think, eh, tomorrow I'll ride it. Today I'll, <laughs> today I'll use the motor. Doesn't that happen a lot? I don't know. I was, uh, and how's it not a motorcycle? I was walking away from the ball game yesterday, and they had those uh, pedal cabs that they have in a lot of cities outside mm-hmm. the stadiums, and, uh, boy, I wanted to ride one. Why didn't thought, you? Because I need the exercise. Oh, gotcha. I walked 14,000 steps and still gained weight yesterday. So because you ate so much at the ballpark. That ah, may have been a factor. Here, here, here's what you do. You take the pedal cab. You tell the guy, your lucky day, you just get a break. You get in the back. And then you jump on jump on, and you peddle your family around. I could have. I should have. I would have. Did you eat more than the bratwurst you mentioned? Or was that all you ate? Oh, uh, that's most of it. There's no need to get into yeah. this. Specific- I mean, uh- <laughs> The, the science, the tie between eating and weight gain, has not really been made by science. So I don't see any reason. Overblown. Really get into correlations, like, not causation. Yeah, it's Christ. a time of the year with the moon cycle. You're holding water and very sugary drinks. It's been alleged, but not proven. I, I just don't know. But uh, boy, was that a good brat, man! That was that was a really good brat. Did you stay for all nine innings? Oh heck yeah! Who are you asking? <laughs> Please, I haven't taken in nine innings sitting in a baseball stadium in very 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 long. All time. nine innings, and then we walked around the entire stadium because Delaney had never been to it. Mm. Um, and, and you she drove across went, town and caught a different major league baseball game right. and stayed for all nine innings. of that. Well, it, this is great. I tell you what, I I adore my my daughters, both of them. But this one, uh, you know, I was hanging out with yesterday. Uh, Among other things, I said, let's just get a hotel. Let's stay and let's go to another game tomorrow. She said, yes. So, ball games, that'll be our thing going forward. Cool. Yeah, Uh, fabulous. I, I, I too, say yes to things that I'm not paying for. (laughs) Oh, Oh, thank you for bringing a little bit of ugly to a family bonding moment. Wow. Armstrong and Getty.
1: You know what this playground could
0: use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh my God. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, ten a girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why
1: California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling
0: when you walk into your home? Take a deep breath